0: And have a seat this morning. All right. Well, we are uh, beginning a new uh, new series today, and uh, it's called uh, Overcome. And uh, during the series, we're gonna, series we're going to look at uh, uh, not just words, but we're going to more importantly look at uh, situations and attitudes and uh, things that just kind of happen in our lives, and uh, you know, words that. They capture those like uh, loneliness and adversity and all the other ones that are on the list there. So each week we're going to just look at not just one of those words, but one of those situations, one of those attitudes, and uh, see how, how, can, how can we rise to a new level in our life? How can we become people God wants us to be and, and live that overcome kind of life? So today uh, we start with the word uh, waiting, right? We start with that word waiting, tough word. I mean, we don't like this thing waiting, right? I mean, uh, if, if we're out shopping, you know, we go to the grocery store or, you know, wherever else, and, and uh, you know, we got our cart full of stuff, and, and we go to the checkout line, and, you know, all the tellers are there. I mean, don't you have that experience where you get there and you pause for that instance, that little time, and you, and you survey the situation? And what is it you're looking for when you go to checkout? You're always looking for the shortest line. Isn't that correct? Sure, you're looking for the shortest line because you don't want to wait. Don't want to wait. And then what happens? You pick the shortest line. You get in the shortest line. And while you're in the shortest line, you are consistently surveying the other two lines on each side of you to see if somebody else in that line has a cart with fewer things in it than the person who's in front of you. Because it's possible that if you quickly jump to the other line, you might get done even faster. Isn't this true? Am I the only one that does that? Man, I'm scoping those lines going, okay, 12 items, 28, not good, right? Sure, because we're always uncomfortable with this idea of waiting. And yet we know. We know because we live in a broken world, we know because of the way life is for us, there are going to be experiences in our life that come along and they cause us to wait. I mean, not... You know, waiting in line at a grocery store or waiting for our oil change, or I'm talking about significant stuff. Waiting for for a new direction in in our life. Uh, Waiting for for the right person to come along uh, in our life. Uh, Waiting for a miracle. Waiting for some relief. Waiting for God to do something that we desperately desire. And we're we're all going to have those experiences in our life where, where we enter into. These seasons and these times of just waiting. So the question for us becomes, how do we approach, if if we're going to live the life God wants us to live, how do we approach this experience of waiting? Here's where I want to start. The first place I want to start this morning is as you approach waiting, you need to get your mind in a whole different place and your heart in a whole different place about waiting. Because the reality for us Christ followers is waiting is what we do. I mean, if you think about it, if you get get your head and heart in the right place, waiting is what we always do. I mean, as a Christ follower, as one who follows wherever Christ leads, what do we have to do? We have to wait on wherever he's going to lead, don't we? I mean, if, if we're really looking at our lives, our lives are consistently experiencing that opportunity of waiting. Waiting for God to give us direction, waiting for God to give us the insight that we need, waiting for God to work in our life to show us that place or that direction, that path that he wants us to go. If we look at Jesus, Jesus waited his whole life. I mean, that is, he always waited to discern what is it that God wants me to do next. He always waited. What what is it that is in in the best interest of what God wants to accomplish in and through my life? So Lazarus is sick, and word comes to him and says, Oh man, your good friend Lazarus, he's sick and he's dying. And what does Jesus do? He waits. He waits. He takes in the information, but then he discerns, What is it that God's purposes can accomplish in this experience? What is it the Father wants me to do here? And he waits. He waits and says, We're going to wait a while because all of this is for the glory of God of God. He understands that his life is about waiting. Why? Because it's about waiting, because his life is about doing whatever it is that brings honor and glory to God. And that's us. That's us too. Our lives, our lives where we wait. Why? Because life isn't about us. Life isn't about what our desire is. It's not about what we think is best. It's always about doing whatever it is that brings honor and glory that accomplishes that purpose and that intention of God in our life. And if we're going to do that, then our lives are always at the disposal of whatever God wants. We are always going to be people who wait. And this is the best position for us. This is the best position we can possibly place ourselves in, waiting on whatever it is God is going to do in us and through us. Isaiah tells us this. Isaiah was a prophet. He's somebody who understood this position, what it meant to wait on the Lord, right? Here's what he says in Isaiah 40. But those who wait for the Lord, what do they have to do? Wait for the Lord. You see that, right? They're in a position of waiting. Those who wait for the Lord, who expect, look for, and hope in Him, shall change and renew their strength and power. They shall lift their wings and mount up close to God as eagles mount up to the sun. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint or become tired. How awesome is it when you wait in the proper position for God? Isaiah says that's the place to be. That's the place to be. That's what we do. That's the place to be because if you're in that position where you're always receiving what God is going to do in your life, then you're going to be in that position of being renewed in your strength, being renewed in your power. You're going to be lifted up. You're going to be able to run and not get weary. You're going to be able to walk and not get faint. You're going to be able to move forward and not grow tired. Waiting. Waiting is what we do. Waiting is the position that we need to always place ourselves in. We get in trouble when we put ourselves outside of that position of waiting on what God wants to accomplish in our life. We get in trouble. Things get messed up when we're the ones who decide, when we're the ones who take things into our own hands. Waiting is the proper position. If you think about some of of the, the big people in the Scripture who did just awesome, incredible things for God, right? They were people who waited. Think about Noah. God comes to Noah and says, it's going to rain. You know how long Noah had to wait before the first drop of rain? 120 years. That's waiting, don't you think? 120 years. But he waited faithfully. He kept doing what God wanted him to do, following God's direction. But he was in that position of waiting. Moses delivered the people of Israel from Egypt, from the power of Pharaoh. He waited for 40 years out in the wilderness watching sheep before God said, okay, time to go back to Egypt. Think about the people that waited. Paul, great apostle, established so many churches, wrote most of the New Testament. Jesus came to him on the road to Damascus, got in his face about changing his life and, and surrendering his life, and he surrendered his life to Christ right down the road. And then what happened? He waited three years before he began his ministry. He waited three years of understanding what it meant to follow Christ before he emerged and began his ministry to follow Christ. Waiting is what we do. It's when we don't wait, when we don't discern, when we don't take and give God the opportunity to lead, that we get into trouble. Let me show you what that looks like. It comes out of 1 Samuel 13. It's the experience of Saul, King Saul. The people of Israel got to that place in their life where they said, listen, we need an earthly leader. We, we need a king. All the other nations have a king. And so the prophet Samuel finally said, well, okay, God's going to give you a king. And so Saul became king, the first king uh, of Israel. And and Saul, immediately after his, his uh, coming into power as king, he started to you know mount campaigns. And so his son Jonathan went into a big battle against the Philistines, and they won. Israel won. As a result, the Philistines raised an army, and came back over and against Saul. And here's where we pick it up. And the Philistines gathered to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and the troops like sand on the seashore in multitude. How many Philistines were there? A whole bunch of them, okay? Right? I mean, a huge amount, like sands on the seashore, right? Look at the response. They came up and encamped at Michmash, east of Bethlehem when the men of Israel saw that they were in a tight situation isn't that nice and polite isn't it great how the Bible is kind of nice and polite when they were in a tight situation how would you translate that when they were in a deep load of trouble right when the men of Israel saw that they were in a tight situation for their troops were hard-pressed. They hid in caves, holes, rocks, tombs, and pits or cisterns. Some Hebrews had gone over, to, over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people following him trembled. What kind of situation are they in? Tough. Tough season of waiting. Tough season of waiting. And that's what Saul is instructed to do. Samuel has told him, now listen, before you go into battle, you've got to wait. You've got to wait on the Lord. You've got to wait for the right time for the Lord. You've got to wait till I come and we offer sacrifice and we worship. You've got to wait until we're right with the Lord here before you go into the battle because God is going to give you the victory. And if God is going to lead you and God's going to give you the victory, you've got to wait for a while. You've got to wait and make sure everything is in place. So Saul is there and he's waiting. Saul waited seven days according to the set time Samuel had appointed. But Samuel had not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from Saul. So Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offerings, which he was forbidden to do. And just as he finished offering the burnt offerings, behold, Samuel came. Saul went out to meet him. And greet him. What did Saul just do? Saul took things into his own hands. He moved out of the position of waiting, didn't he? He moved out of the position of being obedient and faithful and saying, listen, God is in charge of my life. God is a direction and purpose for my life. God knows what's best for my life. Instead of staying in the position of waiting, Saul says, boy, things are getting bad. Things look tough. We're up against it. People are deserting. Things are falling apart. I can't wait anymore. Isn't that what he did? And he took things into his own hands. And he puts himself outside of the relationship of obediently waiting and following. What's the result? He becomes disobedient. Because in chapter 12... When Saul is made king, Samuel tells the people their position of what they need to do in relationship to having a king now. He says, If you will revere and fear the Lord and serve Him and hearken to His voice and not rebel against His commandment, and if both you and your king will follow the Lord your God, it will be good. good? When's it good? It's good when they're waiting and following in whatever God wants. When they're obediently waiting and following in whatever God wants. Then it's good. What did Saul do? Saul stepped out of being obedient and the position of waiting, didn't he? And he took things into his own own hands because it, it just seemed like everything was falling apart. Things looked bad. And so he just stepped into it and took it into his own hands and put himself outside the position of waiting. Do you see that? Samuel comes. Samuel said, What have you done? What were you thinking? Saul said, Well, because I saw the people were scattering from me, and, and it didn't come within the days that you had pointed, and the Philistines were assembled, and I thought the Philistines were going to come down on me, and I made supplication to the Lord, and I forced myself to offer the burnt offering. What is Saul saying? Listen, you got to understand the situation you got to realize the pressure I was under. you you've got to understand how difficult this is for me. Things looked horrible, terrible, and I just had to do something. Are we so good at that? Are we so good at just kind of taking it into our own hands and moving out of that position of waiting and just saying, well, we, we just got to act, we just got to do. And then justifying when we do it. This is what Saul is doing. Saul has stepped out of obedience and that position of waiting, and instead he's saying, oh, well, this is why I had to. I mean, I just had to. Samuel Samuel is the one who helps Saul to understand what he has done. What he has done now has consequences for his kingship. Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandments of the Lord your God which he commanded you, for the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. What was God going to do? If Saul stayed in a position of waiting on the Lord in obedience, his kingdom would have been forever. But when he moved outside of that position, when he stopped waiting on the Lord, now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out David, a man after his own heart. Who is God going to seek out? Somebody who's willing to wait. Who's after God's own heart. Who wants what God wants. Who desires what God desires. Who lives for the purpose of saying, God, I am totally yours and whatever you want in my life, that's what I want. And if I have to wait, I'll wait. See, we become overcomers. We overcome the difficulty of waiting when we understand in our head and in our heart that waiting is what we do. Waiting is the position we're in. How can we sit in that position and not be like Saul and and take action? We can wait because we understand in our head and in our heart that even though we're waiting, God isn't. Even though we're waiting, God is still working give you an example of that i came to christ church in uh, 1999 when i came in 1999 we had about oh 50 or 60 people coming on on sunday morning 60 on a good day 50 on an average day okay after the first five years uh, that i was here we were up to having about 100 people come uh, every sunday morning and uh, so do the math how many is that how many people is that a year that we added? About 10, okay? I can see calculators coming out. The phones are coming out. You're doing, yeah. yeah, 10, okay, do the math. 10, so we took 10 people a year. After five years of work, we took in 10 people a year. The next five years that I was here, we went from having 100 people here to 125 people here. Do the math, how many is that a year? Five people, right? We went backwards, at least it seemed that way. You know what was going on in me? Lord, I'm waiting. Right? I mean, ten years. Ten years of working. Ten years of trying to be faithful. Ten years of saying, God, I know you got a great purpose for this place. God, I know you got your hand is on Christ Church. Lord, I know you want Christ Church to be this incredible church. I know you want us to reach around the world. I know this, God, but that was so fascinating. In the last two and a half, say, three years, to make the math easy, in the last three years, we've gone from having 125 people in this building on Sunday morning to our highest and regular Sunday now, not special day, but our highest regular Sunday of having 475 people on Sunday morning. Do the math. How many is that a year? Ten, five, a hundred. See what happens when you wait? What's the challenge? The challenge is to understand that even though you're waiting, God isn't. Even though you're waiting, God is still working. This is the promise that Paul gives us in Romans 8. Paul tells us in Romans 8 that all we got to do is get it in our head and in our heart and understand that God is still working. He says, we know. We know. We got it. We understand it. We receive it. It's in our head and it's in our heart. We know that God is always at work, and he's always at work for the good of everyone who loves him. You see, you can be in a position of waiting, and you can overcome waiting when you put God in charge of the wait. Make sense? When you put God in charge of the wait. You say, listen, I, I can wait. Why can I wait? I can wait because God's not waiting. I can go ahead and be patient and endure. I can wait for discernment and understanding. Why? Because it's the position I'm supposed to be in, and in that position, I know God is doing what God wants to do. That God is still active, that God is still working, that God is still God. That's what Isaiah, in Isaiah 40, where we were before, he says, you people of Israel say, God pays no attention to us. He doesn't care if we are treated unjustly. You know, that's the Come on, God, what's going on stuff, right? But how can you say that? Don't you know? Haven't you heard? The Lord is the eternal God, creator of the earth. He never gets weary or tired. His wisdom cannot be measured. What's he telling us? Even though we wait, even though we don't understand everything that's going on, God is in control. And God is working. And he always works. And he always works. He never goes tired. He never goes weary. And His wisdom is always for our good. We can be in a position of waiting because that's the position we're supposed to be in. We can be in a position of waiting in those difficult times of waiting because we know God doesn't wait. That God is still working. The big insight for us, this is the tough one, but the big insight for us, and in those difficult seasons of waiting, they become the opportunity for God to work On us. This is the great thing about waiting. Waiting puts us in the right position. Waiting says God is capable, and we are confident in God that He is still working. And one of the things He does in the waiting is work on us. Work on us. You see, it's so easy for our lives to get so full of all kinds of other stuff, right? It's so easy for our lives to get so busy and active and going and doing. It's so easy for us to start taking control again. But when we wait, when we have to be in that position of waiting, it gives God the opportunity to work on us. Look what the psalmist says. Search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any wicked or hurtful way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting When we wait, we're in the right position. When we wait, we let God work. And when we wait, it gives us the opportunity to get our lives in a better place, for God to work on us. See, when you're in that season of waiting, you overcome it when you receive it as an opportunity. You overcome it. You overcome it when you say, This is the position I'm supposed to be in. You overcome it when you say, this is God working, even though I don't understand it completely or see it completely, I know God is working for my good. And you overcome it when you say, this is the opportunity for God to shape me, mold me, and fashion me. This is overcoming. We overcome those seasons and the difficulties of waiting. Waiting is what we're supposed to do. Waiting is the opportunity. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, and uh, waiting can be tough stuff. It can be difficult for us, and uh, there's so much that goes on in our life, and, and we just want to be in that right position, God. We, we want to do whatever it is that you desire in our life. So, so we ask this morning, just uh, lead each one of us, and, and help us to be in that position. And, and when those difficult times come, when those, those difficult times of really waiting, when they come upon us, help us to overcome them by, by seeing them as the opportunity for you to work and, and especially for you to work on us, to, to rid us of those things that stand between you and us, to, to clean out our priorities and to clean out our lives in a way that establishes you first once again. Father, we know we're going to wait, and we want to wait. We want to wait for everything that you desire, everything that you dream, everything that you purpose in our lives. We want to wait so that our lives become lives of honor and glory and significance to you. We ask for it in Jesus' name.